Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and this is the West Block, politics, perspectives, and players. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau announced on Twitter earlier this week that China's ban on Canadian pork and beef products has been lifted. The announcement was welcomed by Canada's meat producers and is being seen as a win by the Trudeau government and its new ambassador to China, Dominic Barton. But does this new move by the government in Beijing signal a potential thawing of diplomatic tensions between the two countries? Joining me now to discuss that is Professor Charles Burton, a researcher on Chinese domestic and international politics at Brock University. Mr. Burton, what do you make of the announcement that China is going to allow Canadian meat imports again? Well, of course, it's good news. Um, you know, there was no justification whatsoever uh, for the Chinese government to block all Canadian meat imports into China. They, the reasons that they provided turn out to be completely spurious. Um, that being said, uh, whether this is really attributable to our new ambassador's uh, diplomatic skills or whether it's a function that China has a serious shortage of pork because of the African swine virus, which has resulted in 40% of China's pigs being affected and has discouraged pork producers from, from producing um, more pigs for, for fear that they will also succumb to this uh, very serious uh, African swine uh, disease. So with Chinese New Year coming up, I think that it's a significant to the Chinese regime that there should be no shortage of pork in China, pork being the main constituent meat of uh, Chinese dishes, particularly the kind of dishes that people eat at New Year's. A lot of Chinese um, farmers only eat meat at New Year's traditionally, so if there was a shortage of pork, this could be destabilizing for the regime. There have been a lot of other regimes in history including um, Tsarist Russia in 1917, that fell because of food shortages and crisis. So there's certainly excellent reasons for the Chinese government to decide that they need to bring in Canadian pork. If we look at the other commodity that has been um, subject to completely unjustified uh, non-tariff barrier by China, which is the Canadian canola seeds, in the case of that, Canadian canola seeds are used as forage uh, for meat production. So with China's reducing uh, pork production due to the African swine flu, um, they have less need of, of uh, canola seeds or rape seeds. They're alternative sources of supply. And the banning of the Canadian product has been protecting the price for Chinese domestic importers. So I think that one can see clearly why the Chinese government has decided to lift the ban on Canadian meat into China, but it's maintaining the ban on uh, Canadian uh, canola seeds. Are you suggesting then that our new ambassador to China, Dominic Barton, may not have actually had a major role in this reversal? I think it's primarily due to Chinese domestic factors and a desperation to, to get enough pork to meet the demand for the Chinese New Year season coming up. Uh, we also have no indication as to whether Mr. Barton has given the Chinese government any concessions in exchange for their removal of the ban on meat. For example, are we preparing to authorize um, the installation of the Huawei company fifth generation 5G telecoms technology into the Dallas and, and Bell systems? Um, that remains to be seen. So 
whether this is something that is attributable to diplomatic excellence on the part of our new ambassador, or whether indeed uh, he, he may have made a concession that, that he need not make because uh, China needs that pork anyway, will we'll spell, uh, spell out in, in the test of time. But let's, uh, let's assume that Mr. Barton is doing a good job representing Canada and that more positive developments will occur under his, uh, under his diplomatic um, leadership of, of the Canadian Embassy. In your opinion, is this a first step in easing the tension between the two countries? No, I don't see any indication of that. It seems that the Chinese government uh, issued some very strong statements after Mr. Trudeau um, was re-elected, uh, really amounting to a sort of ransom note, suggesting that there will be no progress on improving relations until such time as the Canadian government intervenes in the judicial process of of the Huawei CFO Meng Wanzhou's extradition hearing to the United States and and somehow or other sends her back to Beijing. Um, until that happens, it seems, according to what we're seeing from the Chinese government, that there will be no movement on um, getting any kind of due process of law for Michael Kovrick and Michael's favor or any um, reduction of these unfair non-tariff barriers on Canadian agricultural commodity exports to China that are causing a great deal of economic disruption to our producers of, of meat, canola seeds, and indeed soybeans, who are highly reliant on the Chinese market. I'd just like to pick up on something you mentioned regarding the detainment of the two Canadians, Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor. Do you think that this announcement is going to help their case, or does their case have much more to do with Huawei's Ming Wangzhou and her being detained by the Canadian government? I think so. I mean, you have to look at Chinese uh, concepts of face, and I think that um, Xi Jinping cannot be seen as looking weak and making concessions to Canada. Uh, once he um, engaged in this outrageous uh, action against our citizens in an attempt to coerce our government to violate our, our, the terms of our extradition treaty with the United States. Um, so I, I don't see, unless we can work out some, some way to, to give the Chinese some, some form of face-saving concession, that uh, this matter will be resolved anytime soon. I, I feel that we should be... Um, attempting some retaliation uh, against the Chinese regime simply to regain the self -res the respect that, that we have lost with China by our policy of, of passive response, in fact, giving tacit consent to the gross violations of international law and diplomatic practice that the Chinese regime have been engaged in. So I'd like to see us tightening up on Chinese espionage operations in Canada um, inspecting Chinese shipments much more strictly for fentanyl and, um, and engaging in other acceptable diplomatic measures to indicate that Canada is simply not going to be subject to bullying by a, a, an authoritarian one-party regime. What more should Canada be doing when it comes to China? I don't think that Canada has a concept of face in the same way as China. I think what we really want is justice, and from that point of view, we want Kovrick and Spavor out of there, and I think we have to use every tool at our disposal to regain the respect of the Chinese regime so that we can try and negotiate some way out of this mess. After all, you know, when the bail hearing was held for Meng Wanzhou, the, the conditions of her bail are very liberal, and the judge 
who set these conditions observed at the time that the process of Ms. Mung's lawyers' delays and appeals could be 10 years. So we could be facing a situation where Meng Wanzhou is here for a decade, and if the Chinese government continues to engage in in gross violations of international law and 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 um, the rules of trade as a means to continue to coerce the Canadian government, and is not willing to back down on any of this, then that will be disastrous for our overall relations in the world, because China is such an important global player. Is there a role for the Americans to play here as they deal with China in terms of trade? Is there something more that the American government could be doing to help us? Oh, absolutely. Well, the United States could be doing much more to use their influence with China to address the Canadian concerns. But what we're looking at right now is exactly the opposite, because the United States has obtained commitment from the Chinese government to source an enormous quantity of agricultural commodities from the U.S., 50 billion worth, more than the U.S. is currently producing, which is why President Trump has urged farmers to expand their production to meet this Chinese commitment. But the side of it for Canada is that if China is sourcing huge quantities of, of, say, soybeans from China, we will lose our market in China to the United States. And when the United States market share in China increases, ours decreases. So these um, negotiations, bilateral negotiations between uh, uh, China and the United States, from that point of view, are highly disadvantageous to Canada. But from the other point of view, if, if uh, the United States is able to get China to change its practices and regulations so that there's a fairer playing field for foreign access to the Chinese market, that China will cease to engage in coercive, covert or corrupt means to obtain uh, Western proprietary technologies and intellectual property, then Canada will benefit. If, if, if China would be more compliant with the spirit of the World Trade Organization agreement and not engage in, in um, economic cyber espionage uh, at the behest of the United States, Canada would, would collaterally benefit from that, as would all the uh, Western nations who have important trading relationships with China. Thank you so much, Mr. Burton, for joining us. That's all the time that we have for today. I'm Mercedes Stevenson for The West Block.